0: Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I hope that this week is treating you well so far. And I want to start by saying that the conclusion of Philippians chapter one was very awesome, very great. I enjoyed, uh, chapter one. I enjoyed chapter one very well. Um, uh, it was, it's just a wonderful book. Uh, you can't go wrong with Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians. I'm not saying those are my absolute favorites, but as you know, I, we, we started out in the book of Colossians and I just, uh, fell in love with it all over again in in ephesians and just such deep rich spiritual truth and so you know we're gonna do something different today we're gonna try to really go through the whole second chapter of philippians and and i know that you guys know me that i usually try to get half done and then do the second half the next week but i think What we're going to try to do is make it a little more, um, make it just a little more, I don't want to say speedy is the right word, but a little more clear and concise. There, There are things that I want you to take out of these, out of these studies. And you know, if there's a times where maybe you can't listen to it all the way, go ahead and pause and just come back the next day and do that. That's what, uh, I know a lot of the platforms that you can listen to this on have that capability where if you pause it, you, you can even exit out of it and go right back in and it'll leave you right where you left off. So that's always a good thing. So I would encourage you with that. Also, I, I'd encourage you too, if you have not uh, checked me out on Wisdom yet, I'll go do that. It's a It's a live platform where you can join in. So make your account and come join me. Um, it's really cool. You can do your own talks, and you know, I know there's some listeners on here that have only listened to my voice on here and and teaching and preaching God's word. But the thing is, is uh, I like to talk to you. That'd be awesome. And uh, if you if you do end up doing that, and you're a listener, uh, whether you're in the United States or even even more impressive would be those of us that are uh, outside of the U.S uh, please, you know, tell me, come talk to me, come tell me the, that you've been a, a listener and you know, uh, we can, maybe we can just have you on and we can, we can do a study together or something. I don't know. It's we're, the, the, the possibilities are, liter- are literally limitless. And so it, it's really cool. So I encourage you to do that. If you haven't already, it's again, I'm not, and I told you this before and I'll say it again, I'm not doing this stuff for monetary reasons. I'm not looking for followers or likes or subscribers or whatever it is. I'm just here preaching and teaching Jesus' name. That's all I want to do. So we're in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to go through it like we always do, verse by verse. And without any further delay, let's go ahead and get started. So verse 1 in chapter 2 says, Therefore, If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Okay, now this is stemming off from what we just finished up with chapter one. And we're talking about you know suffering for the sake of the gospel we're talking about our opponents and and by the way going back to verse 27 in chapter 1 says only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent I will hear of you that you are standing in uh, one spirit firm with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel so Here, Paul is reemphasizing the point of being united in spirit, maintaining the same love, intent on one purpose, and that is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Living up to the calling, that this high calling that we've been called. That's the purpose. We need to be of the same mind. And by the way, we know that the Holy Spirit is the author of this book. And any book, in any chapter, in any verse— So, this is the Holy Spirit saying, if there's anything good, any consolation of love, fellowship of the Spirit, now that's the Holy Spirit, any affection and compassion with one another, again, make God's joy complete by being of the same mind. We're not called to have a different mind. We are all with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, possessors of the mind of Christ. Therefore, we should be like-minded. But as you know, things don't always happen the way God intends. Man messes up the plans of God. I shouldn't say messes up his plans, but uh, we mess up the plans God's perfect plan for our lives are. And here's the other issue. We think we have what it takes to do things better. We can run the show. We can live our lives better. We are a source of holiness and righteousness, and everything today is, is such about self and self and self and self, and I get so sick of hearing that because it's, it, at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with self. We have nothing good to offer God. It says all of our deeds have become like Filthy rags to God. So again, we think that it's by those things that we do that we are saved. It's not by the things that we do. It's our it's who we have our faith in, and that faith in Christ will then produce the good works. Faith in Christ and the, and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, and us being in, like just completely embedded in Scripture and immersed in it, will cause us to be like-minded. And if we're not, the Holy Spirit will convict us of that, and we will hopefully repent of that and be of the same mind. So as I am going through this study, we're seeing the same theme over and over again. And now chapter two is, is very, very rich in theology. It's rich in Practical life application things. And we are called to maintain the same love that we've been called by. And that's that agape love in 1 Corinthians 13. That's the kind of love we need to have with one another. And by maintaining that, it means to have, hold, or possess it. We need to hold on to that. And united in the spirit, we need to share in the identity in Christ with the intent on one purpose. It's Christ it's his gospel now verse three is I could just I could just honestly tell you just verses three and four we could literally just read those two and be done with this whole entire study or we can study it for hours and hours and on, honestly um, you've heard me say say and teach things on this before but uh, because I love it so much we're gonna do it once again verse three. I'm going to do three and four. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And then in verse four, it says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. See, here's the problem. This world tells you and tricks you and coaxes you to be Selfish it tells you that you are the most important person on this planet and that all this goodness that you're wanting to do can flow from within yourself. You just got to tap into it. Uh, that, that's uh that's horse hockey. It really is. And I'll tell you that all these self-help people now, uh, they, they talk a big game, but Uh they're honestly their their speaking is 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 vanity. It's it's it it's all about self. And what does the Bible call us to do when it comes to self? It calls us to die to self, to take up our cross, to be crucified with Christ, to put off the old self and its and its desires and its lusts that are headed to destruction. That doesn't sound to me like we need to be focusing on self. Maybe other people are reading the word differently than I am, but uh, when I'm reading it, it's it's crystal clear. And so I'm here to share with you that we must be humble in our minds, humble in our hearts. And here's the other thing. Verse three: Do nothing from selfishness. Selfishness here is means self-seeking for a person's own gain or empty conceit. That's pride without the basis of justification. That I can do things myself. I'm the most important person. Me, me, me. I, I, I. But it says, with humility of mind, which means lowliest of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That more important means superior, a hold above. Do you do that with other people? Do you do that with other people? And then verse 4, which is a great tag team partner, says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests. We must. Okay, don't get me wrong here. Sometimes we need to. But we mo- but more often than not, we need to be focused on others as well. But also for the interests of others. It isn't about all about you. And that is what's missing today. That's what's missing with ourselves. That's what's missing with our families. That's what's happening uh, in our jobs. That's what's missing in all these areas. And that's what's missing in the church. We have too too many people uh, jockeying for position and going into studies and thinking I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And uh, let's let's in in like in a Bible study, let's just see if my my knowledge is superior than yours. And I'm looking for the the next moment where I can shine and and make myself look better than what I am. And I got news for you. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. And yet, that flesh, that war with the flesh that we read in Romans chapter 7 is so evident. It's always present. We struggle with the flesh. And so, we are not to look out for our own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And now let's go ahead and look at verse 5. It says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, God is telling us in verse 5, these first few words here in verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. So we are to be uh, his disciples he is our Lord. We are his slaves. We are his, we're supposed to be his imitators. So if that's true and that's you, then we must have this attitude that Jesus is God. Let's not get that mixed up here. But he did not regard the equality of God a thing to be grasped. Jesus did this unselfish act of love because it was the only way that we can be justified by him being the propitiation for our sins people in this day and age and throughout the course of history people desire power but christ humbled himself for us and we must do the same thing if jesus christ lowered himself from where he was in heaven and he stepped down off that throne and again being made in the likeness of men and by the way taking the form of a bond servant hello i mean matthew 20 uh 26 to 28 jesus says i have not come to be served but to serve he also said in matthew 2016 the first shall be last the last shall be first remember that That's the kind of attitude that we need to have. And this this humility that we're supposed to have is a must in the life of a believer. If you are not humble, you will not submit to God. If you are not humble, you will not be obedient to God. If you are not humble, you will not love God. If you're not humble, you will not love other people. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus laid down his life willingly for us, and we ought to do the same thing for other people. Verse 9 says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So um, this is very powerful. Jesus humbled himself and then God exalted him. We are, we are called to humble ourselves in the presence of God that he may exalt us at the appropriate time. So our our exaltation will not come necessarily in this life, but it is it is to come in the life to come. And here's the thing. God bestowed on him the name which is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow every knee in heaven on earth and under the earth so the the angelic beings the other beings in heaven which we, we don't really know too much about we know the cherubim and seraphims we know them but maybe there's other beings in heaven we don't know about I don't know that's why heaven sometimes is a mystery but every knee will bow in heaven. We know people on earth and even under the earth. We're talking about the demons here. Remember the the demoniac? Remember that story where this demon was just causing a bunch of issues and they had to chain him up and he was screaming and howling and growling and all these things at night in the tombs and people were afraid of him. Well, when Jesus was approaching him, that demon that possessed that man, I mean, sprinted up to Christ. And what did he do? He didn't attack him. He didn't scare him like, you know, in these scary movies, because now nowadays uh, these movies are about demonic attacks and all these things like that and demons and stuff, which is uh, pretty uh, pretty shocking because that stuff is is a reality. However, going back to the story here, the demon did not come and go after Christ and attack him and anything else. He bowed down in reverence to him because Jesus didn't have to say anything. That's how reverent he is. Here's the thing. Why are the demons more reverent than we are? Why is that? I I mean, you tell me. That's the problem. But you, you mark my words that one day every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So you either going to confess Him on this earth as Lord, or you're going to deny Him on this earth. But when he, but when the day of Christ comes, and He comes down from heaven like He said He will, and He has kept all of His promises, why we we not keep the promise of coming back? He's going to come back. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but He's going to come back. And when He does... Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So you're going to confess one way or another. So if you're listening to this and you're not a believer, your tongue will confess one of these days. So it's best to confess him now before it is too late. So verse 12, it says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, But now, much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay. Now, when we read just as you have always obeyed, you need to ask the question, is that me? Is that me? And here's the thing. Paul is saying, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. It's Easy to do the right thing when you're under a microscope. Think of this way: when you are driving on in the country, in the city, on the interstate, wherever it is you're driving, and you see a posted speed limit, are you a a person who drives underneath the speed limit? B someone who drives the speed limit or C drives like maybe five miles over the speed limit or D something that goes over 10 or plus miles over the speed limit. I, I know you're, you're squirming your seats right now. Like, uh, yeah, that's, um, I'm probably C five miles over the speed limit. Okay. That's, that's probably me. Now what happens when a police officer is following you, oh boy, we are using our signals. We are going back to the old days when we used to study how to be a, a good driver going through driver's ed. We, I mean, we did, we do everything perfect. Matter of fact, we have cruise control on 30 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, we have all those things. Why is that? Because the authority is watching us carefully. Now Paul here was at that at one point in their presence but it makes him overjoyed that they are obeying Christ in his words while he's absent from them so that's that so that's what we need that we must do and that my friends is integrity it's when people are watching or not And if you have trouble with obedience, get a brother or sister as an accountability partner. And if you see a brother or sister in the faith that is struggling, offer to be their accountability partner. Check in on them. Get their number. Talk to them. Now, I just say with the the man-woman dynamic, you got to be careful with that. Okay? Um, So maybe brother to brother, sister to sister type of thing. But I, I, I would honestly would advise you, encourage you to go out, seek somebody out, and try to be their accountability partner. If you're strong in the faith and they're not, you need to be there for them. So again, we are, we are to be obedient, but here's the thing. Now, a lot of people get this verse confused, but it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now this is honestly sanctification, in which the transformation on the inside manifests itself on the outside. So we we reverently fear God. We and here's the thing: when I was a kid, I was not afraid of my father when I would step out of line. I wasn't afraid of him in that he was going to physically abuse me, uh, but I didn't I didn't want to disappoint him. I didn't want to hurt him. By being disobedient to him and his his rules that were for my benefit. And yet, when he said to do something, I did it. Now, did I do everything perfectly? No, because we all fail and fall short. Don't get me wrong here. But um, we are to be obedient as a child would to a father. These are the things I'm saying to you. You need to go do them. And then you come back later, and and kind of you ever you ever spy on your kids, and it's just to see if they're doing the right thing. And you know, and you know that they have no idea; they're so oblivious that they have no idea that you're watching them. And you actually watch them; they're actually following everything you said to the t, and it makes you happy. And so again, we're to work out our salvation. That means we must be bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, there are many of those fruits that we struggle with. If you're struggling with those, pray on it. Ask God to help you go in the scriptures and find ways that you can produce those in your life. And ask God to give you opportunities to practice those. And you may fail. And that's, I'm not saying that's fine, but you're going to fail. But one day, it's going to happen. Remember, sanctification is a process. It is a process. It takes time. And so I'm here to share with you, I'm in the same boat. And that's why, it, I believe it's in Second uh, Corinthians, it talks about go, going from glory to glory. That's talking about sanctification. We go from glory to glory. And the, the deeper we go in Christ, the more spiritual mature we become the more your eyes are open to the beauty, the magnificence of scripture and its truths and promises. And you hold onto those so dear, um, as you would your own child when they're, when they're born, there's been never been a more powerful moment in my life than when I held any of my children. And it, 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 that feeling never got old. And and here's a cool thing I want to share with you real quick. And some of you that have kids, you'll you'll already know this. But I'm going to share this with you just just for fun. When I had my last one, and you you'd think I know a lot about having kids because I've said this before. I have four, so you'd think I have a, a pretty good knowledge of kids and their all the processes through things. And so I was uh, I was having issues with um, at the uh, end of the pregnancy with Lindsay. Um, she had the baby, everything was great. He was fine. Um, here's the problem. Um, at the time we were like, I was worried, I should say, and I was worrying that it was sinful. And I trust me, I repented of that, but she, uh, her blood pressure was pretty high. Uh, and they talked about preeclampsia and I didn't know what the heck that even was. So I'm like, uh, okay. So I'm going through it. And so, uh, I, we can't go home. We had to stay like two extra days. And I'm like, I'm getting nervous. And I'm like, I keep, I mean, I asked this poor nurse. She's been, she'd been a nurse for like 30 some years. I'm just like, I'm beside myself. I'm like, is she being okay? Is she being okay? And blah, blah, blah. And, um, I had to go home and help, uh, my kids Uh, with like getting them ready for school and stuff like that. So, you know, I was doing all these things running back and forth and I went in and right before I left to go help, I talked to the nurse and she said, uh, do you want me to take the baby while your wife recovers? Still, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll be back right back. And she said something to me that I have not forgotten. She said to me, uh, that's your baby crying when you a little bit earlier and you were kind of running around and see where seeing where your son went and, and you were talking to me and you did, she goes, did you notice that he stopped crying? And I said, well, well, yeah, yeah, I, I did kind of notice that. And she goes, your children know your parents voice. And that is what calms them down. Here's what I'm trying to say to you right now. Listen to the Father's voice. Now, is God speaking to you from heaven, trying to tell you things, some secret things that um, are out of this, out of the realm of Scripture? No. What I'm trying to tell you is, in, the, in those moments, listen to the voice of God. And how do you listen to the voice of God? You open up His Word, because all Scripture is God breathed. So that's Him speaking to us. Now, speaking on that, verse 13, For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Everything is for the glory of God. Now listen to this, verse 14, do all things. I want you to underline all things in your Bible right there, in verse 14, all things, without grumbling, which is another word for complaining, or disputing or arguing. So do all those things without complaining and arguing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights of in the world, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of our faith of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share with, or excuse me, share your joy with me. Okay, so don't complain or argue, but we need to to prove ourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God, above reproach, in the middle of this crooked and perverse generation. Why? Because they all do those things. They all do those things. We, and we need to appear as lights in this world. And we ought to be living such a pure and blameless life that we shine brilliantly as lights reflecting the true light. We need to pay attention very carefully to the word of life, which is Christ in his word. So that in the day of Christ, yeah, you know what? We did not run in vain, and toil in vain. And Paul is saying in verse 17, if I am being poured out as a drink offering a total surrender unto death by means of humility. That's what he's talking about there. Upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you to rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. So we need to rejoice with those who rejoice. You can find that in Romans twelve fifteen. We mourn with those who mourn. We are to encourage one another as we journey on this narrow road together. And that's, and that's and sometimes that's easy to do, and then that sometimes that's really hard to do. But we know that we must not give up. We must always be pursuing the heart of God every single day of our lives. Verse 19 says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I may also be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. So who is he sending? He's saying this young guy Timothy because he is there's no one else that Paul was like-minded with that what that's what it might means to be in kindred spirit. And so in verse 20 with what high praise for Timothy. I mean, that's high praise. Find yourself someone with whom you are of kindred spirit. We are consumed with Christ, his word, obedient to him, and humble. That's who you need to look for, caring for the welfare of others and not just themselves. Find yourself that kind of person. Don't find for yourself people that will be yes men and yes women around you, because those are a dime a dozen. Find yourself somebody who is rare. Find somebody who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, and all their strength. Find someone that is like that, and attach yourself to that person to sharpen that iron, because it, it's it's friends are. We've lost that word, and we've lost the meaning behind that. And a true faithful friend and brother or sister in Christ is extremely rare to find. So if you do find one, make sure you're praying to God every single day that. Uh, that you're thankful for that person. I, I will just share this with you. Um, I have a beloved brother in Christ, uh, Mike, who you have heard on this show before. And I've been on his, and he's the one that kind of showed me that wisdom app I talk about. And we are both on there. And here's the thing he has over 400 followers on that platform. And every single milestone, whether it's he had like 40, like in two days. And then, then like less than a week later, he had a hundred and then 200 and then the 300 and 400. So every time I would, uh, I would see those things, I would screenshot it and then circle it and then put some kind of a funny caption or whatever it is on it. And uh, I told him that he has, he has this like gold status where he needs like a gold jacket and stuff. So, uh, but you know, he, and he does the same thing for me. He'll hop on my talks. He'll talk me up. And although I don't, You know like i don't i don't want i don't really need that but he does it anyway to kind of boost me up there which i am extremely grateful for and 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 we're both like-minded in those things we're both like-minded we're both deep in the scriptures we both talk about the scriptures now do we talk about jesus 24 hours a day no i mean the vast majority of our conversations do but we we talk about sports and family and all these things like that so you know, that's the thing. There's 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 a balance, but it's mostly in Christ. Find yourself somebody of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. That's that's what we're talking about. Verse 21 says, for they all seek after their own interest. You know, and, and it says, not those of Christ Jesus. Find yourself to have somebody in your life that seeks after the interests of Christ and not just their own. You know, people in the church can be like this, which leads to it leads me to say this: that we must preach humility as found in this chapter very, very diligently. Because humility doesn't seek after its own interests. We already read that earlier in this chapter in verses three and four. But we need to be we as ourselves, not finding someone else that needs a in our corner that's going to back us up being kindred spirit like this, but we must not seek after our own interest, but the interest of Christ verse 22 says, but you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel, like a child serving his father. Talk about Timothy. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. So that's what he's going to do for the believers and Philippi, and verse 24, and I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. Paul trusted his Savior. He trusted the Lord. You can find that in both verses 19 and 24. He trusts in the Lord. Verse 25 says, but I thought it necessary to send you to Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. You know, fellow soldier here just really stands out to me because soldiers go into the trenches with what other soldiers. They're, they're, they're in the they're on the battlefield. They're on the front line. A close brotherhood that is unbreakable for life. Going through extremes will draw people closer than the good times will. When you're going through the fire. And you have a faithful brother or a faithful sister standing through the fire with you. Um, you both might get burned, but you're both going to come out of that first off stronger, more refined, and you will find that the that a bond that you have will become stronger. That's powerful stuff. You know, and you need to be a, you need to be an Epaphroditus to someone. Be a fellow soldier and minister to others' needs. That's what you need to be. Verse 26, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. So Epaphroditus was sick, for indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me. So I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. I'll just say this. um, We had a death in our church just a few weeks ago, and it was, it was hard to see. Um, and I'm not going to go into the details of it because of our, I've, I've actually talked about it a lot, but, uh, basically, uh, one of our church members was slumped over in their car. We had a police officer that goes to our church to try to uh, resuscitate him. Uh, the authorities came, they tried working on him and they did everything their power. And We're sitting there praying and that praying and praying that God would that he would save his life. You know, what do you what do you pray for in those moments? We prayed and prayed and prayed and you know what? God decided to call him home. Now is God less good because he took him home? Absolutely not. Because what do we what do we read last week? Do you remember? Well, I'm going to take you back to it because I have my notes sitting right in front of me and I want and I want to get this absolutely right. So here and Philippians one twenty one for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There it is. Paul had a, Paul had a desire to to depart and be with Christ, which was far better. It is, and you know we we pray that God would have mercy on this situation. And you know in this situation He did not. And you know this taught what's this part here about Epaphroditus here. This is talking about God's sovereignty. Our last breath isn't by chance, but by the will of God. So when someone takes their final breath, that is his will. It is their last moment, and that's what he is ordained to be. Now, God had mercy also on Paul because because of his closeness with Epaphroditus. As he says in verse 27 in the middle here, And not on him only, but also on me. So God had mercy on Paul as well, because so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Paul was a man of sorrows too. It's hard. It's hard being in the ministry. It's hard when you are just uh, ministering to people's needs, and you're you're there uh, shepherding them, the flock. But the loss of a fellow believer causes sorrow. But their destiny is heaven as is ours and what a glorious family reunion that will be so thankfully at that point paul didn't have to experience sorrow but there's a lot of us here listening that have went through those things and i'm here to share with you right now that it's okay it's okay to grieve it's okay to be it's okay to be upset um i would just cost you not to be mad at god for those things um, but to trust in our faithful creator who, whose divine purposes are greater than our our ways and his thoughts are h- higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. We must trust him. Do you trust him with your life and with the lives of your family members or or do you not? Or is it just lip service? I had to do the same way. So verse 28 says, Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice that I... May be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. So we need to be joyous with the brothers and sisters God has placed in our lives. We need to be be joyous with them, and joyful of them. The fact that we have brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, are we all flawed? Absolutely. Do we all make mistakes? Yes. Will you get along with every single member of the body of Christ? No. Should you strive to get along with everybody in the bio, in the body of Christ? Yes, yes. I'm not perfect. My theology is not perfect. My love is not perfect. My humility is not perfect. Um, there is pride that gets in the way. All these things happen. But we must do what we talked about in the beginning of this chapter. And matter of fact, I'm gonna go back here. Because it's important to go back because, you know, I'm the one doing the study and I already forgot that that's just what happens. But what we read in verse two of this chapter make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintain the same love, united in the spirit, intent on one purpose. There it is. There it is. And then it says, hold men like him in verse 29 in high regard. We need to hold people like Epaphroditus in our lives with high regard, precious and highly valued. So if there's people in, in, in the church right now or brothers and sisters in Christ that are, are are the true, they're the real deal. They're the real deal. Please hold them in high regard. Hold them in high regard. Tell them that. Tell them those things. Don't, don't stroke their ego to the point where they become conceited, but tell them that you appreciate them. That you're thankful for them because it, it's it, it's a rare, rare thing to see someone striving for the Lord and trying to walk as Jesus did. It's it's rare. And verse 30 says, Because he came close to death of for the work of Christ, Epaphroditus, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. True believers are humble and they put others above themselves. And they look out for the interests of others rather than themselves. The cost of following Jesus is is high. We must humble ourselves fully in obedience to Christ and for the welfare of others. And you know, what a world that would be if we all did that. So again, some of the, as we start to to conclude here, is uh, we must be like-minded. We must be united in spirit, intent on the purpose of serving God, serving Christ, serving others. Be humble in our minds by regarding one another as more important than ourselves. We must be humble. This this chapter is all about humility. And we must take on the attitude of Christ, who humbled himself and humble himself even to the point of death on a cross and now his name is higher than any other name and there will be there will be a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord it's best to do it now it's best to do it now so if you haven't made that decision i would i would greatly encourage you to do that if you have not Repent of your sins with godly sorrow if you have not put your complete total trust and faith in Christ in Christ alone if you have not confessed him as your lord if you have not immersed yourself in a water grave of baptism i would greatly encourage you to do those and do it without delay it says in it says in scripture that today is a day for salvation not tomorrow not next week today So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. Until next time, God bless you all.